Good morning, Southwest Christian High School. Hey, uh, I'm super pumped because this morning is one of the only times all year, this morning and tomorrow morning, the only times all year that we as a whole community get to do the same thing at the same time. Uh, It's one of the things that I've always appreciated and loved about Encounter every week with you guys is that we all get to share this experience of being together. And uh, we've tried to make that happen. And I know that means that uh, some of you guys are in the gym, and uh, those of you in here will be in there tomorrow. Uh, But the reason we're doing this is because every year we have, in the spring, as you guys are familiar with, a Spiritual Life Emphasis Week that we usually begin with a little um, time of prayer together, and then we get the privilege and chance to hear from a speaker. Uh, And then we'll talk a little bit in D-groups about this. And this week I am super, super pumped uh, to have with us a speaker that uh, comes to us from a ministry that I used to work for, and I've got a lot of friends in that I deeply, deeply appreciate, and I appreciate the heart of the ministry from Forge Forward Ministries. Um, Britton Bishop, it's a sweet name, sounds like uh, everything, UK, I don't know how you get more UK or like Anglican than Britton Bishop or something. He's not Anglican, I don't think he's Anglican, you're not Anglican, I know that. Because uh, he's coming from a church out uh, that is pastored by a friend of mine who also has spoken to us here before, um, his name is John Vermilia from the Tabernacle, and he may talk with you a little bit about his church experience, but Britton uh, is the youth pastor out there in Michigan, uh, Manistee, Michigan, and Buckley, Michigan, and I've gotten to know Britton just a little bit, and uh, I can tell he's a good man who loves Jesus, and I'm excited to hear from uh, his heart and from his experiences and his life journey and life story, and as I said, he's a youth pastor in Michigan, also speaks uh, all over the country. Uh, to events and conferences and things of this nature. So with that being said, uh, I want to say a word of prayer for us this morning so we can dedicate our time uh, to God and clear our minds this morning, and then we'll welcome Britton to speak to us. If you guys would pray with me. Lord, this morning we want to fix our attention, fix our gaze, fix our focus on you. You are the creator. You've made us. You sustain us. You are truth. You're the very source and the foundation of all joy and goodness and beauty. You are the very essence of those things that we deeply, deeply crave at the deepest parts of our soul. God, we long to be connected to you, and I ask and pray that this morning all the things that we've constructed, erected, or that have been placed in front of us as obstacles to being connected to you, God, you, by the power of your Spirit, would remove them. Lies, division, injustices pains caused us by others. I pray, God, we'd be able to set aside stress, despair, that you, by the power of your Spirit, would meet with us in this building, that God, the entire campus this morning and this week, we dedicate it to you, we give it to you, we ask, God, that you would protect us from the power and the forces and principalities of evil and the world that encroach on us every day that tempt us, that pull us. And I pray, God, that there would be a sacred space in here, in the gym this morning, that you would speak to us. You'd use Britain's words by the power of your spirit, God, to break the chains that bind us, to peel back the veil and show us the kingdom of God. I pray that would happen, uh, God, that we would know what true joy in your presence looks like, and I pray we would encounter you and you would meet with us in significant ways this week. We need you, Lord. Uh, Forgive us for how we don't acknowledge that. Forgive us for how we've forgotten. 
I pray these things, asking for you to bless Britain's words and the receptivity of our own hearts in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's welcome Britton Bishop. Oh, it's good, it's good. What's up, y'all? How we doing? We doing good. If you play JV sports, raise your hand. Come on, don't be ashamed now. If you play JV sports, raise your hand. Come on. Oh, we got some, we got some real ones in here, huh? Nobody plays JV? All right, cool. Well, this is the JV chapel service, so I'm sorry you guys had to come be a part of this, so I just wanted to identify with some of my people. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. I'm so excited to be in Chaska, Minnesota. Okay, I was, I get like a little email whenever, whenever people want me to come speak. And so I got this little email, and it was from Brian, and he's like, man, we want you to come out to Southwest Christian High School. I live in Michigan. So I'm like, yes, I'm about to get out of the cold Southwest. I'm going to be in Arizona, Texas. Like, I'm about to be kicking in California. He's like, yeah, we're uh, right outside of Minneapolis. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, here we go. Let's try this. You guys are bored today, huh? Nothing? That's the mask? Yeah. You don't want to smile because nobody can see it. You guys all just calm down for a minute. All right. Let's just calm down. I know this is a new speaker, and you guys, who's this guy from Michigan? He's on the other side of one of the lakes, right? Hey, let's have fun this week, okay? If you can't have fun hearing God's word and talking about it, then you can't have fun. That's my opinion, all right? I'm not that much older than you. So I know that you can smile and have fun. I know you guys did it on your way in here. So let's have fun this week. My name's Britton, and I am so excited to be hanging out with you guys. But I'm going to be honest, I know why you're not having fun, because you live in a state where somebody counted 10,000 lakes. That's how bored y'all are. That's how bored we are in Minnesota, huh? We counted all of them. You think you got all of them? What's up? All right, my name's Britton. I'm originally from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I uh, moved to Michigan to work at a church. But before I moved, some stuff happened. So uh, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, played football all my life, and I remember my freshman year of high school, football started getting really real for me, started getting real. People started talking to me about coming and playing at their schools, people started recruiting me, all these things started happening, and I was like, oh, okay, like, I might be something. I wasn't, just spoiler alert, <laughs> right? But uh, so people started talking to me, and I really, I gave my identity, I gave my life to the game of football. Didn't matter what it was, I was going to be a part of that game. And I remember I was getting recruited, I had some opportunities, and I had the opportunity to go on and play college football. Um, I was at one school for a minute, and then I went to another school, uh, which you can hear that story, you can ask me about it later, and we'll break it down. I make good choices, kids. So, but I ended up at this other school, and I was able to play college football there for a while, and then I graduated, and I've been in ministry ever since, and it's been a pleasure. But that being said, I have a lot of life experience from being a football player. So forgive me if you don't play football or if you don't get it. I'm going to tell some stories and we're going to have some fun, okay? This girl's already asleep. Come on. Right? <laughs> so we're going to dig into that. I remember my, my freshman year of college, we show up. Okay, we show up. We're red shirt freshmen. Weights start going, all this stuff. All the dudes in the very back row of the football players are like, yeah, I know what he's talking about, lifting weights. I sit in the back. Right? Man, y'all are dead. You guys good? If you're good, raise your hand. If you're good, raise your hand. They moved, Brian. They moved. Yeah, come on. So I remember my freshman year, we're show up, summer, we're lifting all this stuff, and uh, football starts, season starts, all this stuff, and going through, you're a redshirt freshman, you're a scrub, like lower than JV, getting smoked every day during practice, all this stuff is going on, and you're like, man, it cannot get any worse than this. I can't wait to be a starter on this team so I can beat up on the little high school kids that just got here. It cannot get any worse than this. And I remember one day we were sitting in the locker room and the other offensive linemen were talking and they were like, man, you think this is bad? 
just wait till February. Just wait till February. I was like, February? What? Football doesn't even happen in February. Like, we're in college. We would adjust. All right, whatever, bro. So I remember I leave. I go home for Christmas break. And Christmas break in college is like stupid long, a month and a half. You get really out of shape. You eat all your mom's food again. You've been eating in the cafeteria. And then you come back, and they're like, okay, he gained 50 pounds. Well, we got to get that off of him. But we show back up in February. And coach is like, all right, morning runs start next week. I didn't know what morning runs were, but I believe in Proverbs 28 when it says that only the wicked run when they're not being chased. Okay? Come on, that got a giggle out of you. Oh, see, y'all like Bible jokes. That's what you're going to make me do this week? I don't want to do Bible jokes. Come on, let's have some fun. I'm just kidding. That's out of context. Calm down. But I showed up, and we got morning runs. 5 a.m. Western Kansas, frozen tundra, pretty similar to where you live without the lakes. They have 10,000 cornfields. But I remember we had to walk from the dorms because you couldn't drive to the weight room. You had to walk. And I remember one day, I, one, my roommate, he was from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Jim, what's up? It's good to see you guys. So glad you guys are here today. It's crazy. They like these students better than you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Jim, hello. I'm so excited to see you tomorrow. Hopefully you have a little bit more energy. It's good to see you guys. That's how I preach. So you guys better hang on, okay? But we're going and we're walking. My roommate, Daniel, from Rancho Cucamonga, California, Coldest weather he ever experienced before he moved to Kansas was 59 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's February in Kansas, and we're, we're laying in our dorms, and it starts to rain and sleet and ice that night. And it freezes all the sidewalks. we got to walk like three-quarters of a mile. Frozen sidewalks, thick like an ice skating rink. And we, so we're walking to morning runs, right? We don't even know what's going to happen at morning runs, but we know it's going to be horrible because everybody said it was going to be horrible. And Daniel's bigger than I am. And so we're walking. Between the dorms and our indoor training facility, Daniel fell down 43 times, y'all. I counted. I legitimately counted. I walked behind him and just counted the amount of times this man fell down on ice because he'd never seen ice before. Daniel was a great football player. Great football player. Started as a freshman, but he didn't like Kansas. He didn't want to be there. Coming back from Christmas break was hard for him. But this walk from the dorms to our indoor training facility, falling down 40 Three times. I remember we're walking up this slight incline, like less than this right here. We're walking up this. It's frozen. It's like 4.55. we got to be there. Like if you're five minutes early, you're 15 minutes late. Like, dog, we got to go. Let's go, Daniel. Come on. He's like getting up off the ground after number 41. And he's at 42 times. I'm standing by. I'm like, Daniel, come on. And I look back, and he bites it one last time. Lands on his back. And he's laying there outside our indoor training facility. I'm like, Hub, come on, man, we got to go. Like, they're about to start. And he said, no, this ain't for me, man, I'm done. And on the 43rd fall, Daniel decided he no longer wanted to be a college football player. It was the last straw for Daniel at this point. Because he knew what we were going into wasn't going to be pleasant, right? Like, you're going in, you're jump tucking, running sprints, flipping tires, carrying plates, pushing, all this stuff's going on. But it was the walk all the way there, 43 times. And on 43rd time, Daniel stood up and said, man, I'm going back to California. No lie, y'all. I got back. At 7 o'clock, Daniel was asleep in his bed. I went to breakfast, went to class, came back. Daniel moved out. And that day, he caught a greyhound back to California. Quit chasing his dream of being a college football player. Remember, I told y'all my whole life leading up to this point, I wanted to be a football player. Daniel's experience was very similar. But in this moment, he decided, man, it ain't worth it anymore. 
If this is what you have to go through to be a part of this team, then it's not worth it to me anymore. It's not worth it to me anymore. If all I've been doing my whole life is building up this identity to be a part of this, no, man, I'm going back to California, back to mom's house. That resonated with me because I wasn't a Christian at this point. But as I began to get into God's word and began to, my faith began to develop and I began to see these things in scripture and it's like, man, Christianity's hard. Yeah? It's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Especially for your generation. It's hard. It's not as cool as it used to be, right? People look at you differently. It's hard. Because you're called to live differently than the world tells you to. That's hard. That's hard. We're going to be in the book of James today, and we're going to dig in. And I think James speaks directly to kind of what we're talking about. So we're going to be in James chapter 1, uh, verse 2. It'll be up on the screen if y'all want to watch it. If you've got your Bibles, you can do that. I don't care. Um, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And I'm going to read all this, so y'all better buckle up. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be imperfect, complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Excuse me. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and it withers to the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. But blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for he has stood the test he will receive, the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. But do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits. Creatures. That's a lot. I read the whole thing because I want you to know there's nothing I'm going to say to you in the next however long I'm up here that hasn't already been said in God's Word. I'm sorry that I have to bore you with my commentary for 45 minutes. I wish that we could just read the Bible and you guys could go talk about that for a minute, but yeah, that's why I'm here. But there's a, there's a passion that I have, a desire that I have when I see students, when I see your age group, and it's the simple fact that the word of God is enough to sustain you. The word of God, it says, and it will not return void. And that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but it has everything to do with what we're talking about today. Because some of you in here, as I was reading, I go, oh, dang, he's going to do all 18, huh? He's still going? 
You couldn't paraphrase that? Isn't that what they pay you for? And you got bored with it. Yeah, being honest, huh? I used to, too. I still do sometimes. But I want you to know that the word of God is important to your life. Because when you read verses, like verse 2, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Count it all joy. What's that look like? What's that look like? That's tough. That's tough because some of y'all in here have been through some stuff. Some of you in here are going through some stuff. And all of you in here will go through some stuff. And life is hard and life happens. But God's word encourages us to count it all as joy. There's a difference here, though, and I think the word joy that we hear and the word joy that's being said. Because when we hear the word joy, we immediately associate that to happiness. Right. We want to be happy. We want to be happy no matter what. We'll do what it takes in our life to be happy. Happiness isn't the goal. Joy. Joy. Count it all joy. It says that even Jesus considered it joy to bear the cross, to take on our likeness, a perfect man to bear the cross. He counted it as joy. There's a difference here between joy and happiness, but I want us to know that it's imperative. This choosing joy is a verb. This isn't, this, this isn't just like this description of something you should do. No, this is a verb. This is something we should be doing because let me just tell you, you're going through things. Your generation, I, I, I believe that you guys will be the ones, I say this on every stage I stand on and I will continue to say it, I believe that your generation will be the one that sees the world one for Christ. I believe that. With the advances in technology and your ability to spread information and your ability to, and desire to want to be a part of something that changes people's lives. I believe that of your generation. But it's going to take a group of students that decide their happiness isn't priority. Choose joy. So the question is, how do we weather well? How do we weather well? Because before we can get into anything else we're going to talk about this week, we have to get to a place of understanding that we will go through things. All of you will go through something. And if that thing shows up in your life and you don't have the tools to weather well in that, and at the point of adversity in your life, you displace your faith because it's no longer comfortable anymore, then you really have nothing. You really have nothing. If your whole being of being a disciple of Christ is because your parents paid for you to be here, you've got some work to do, but it's good work. But you have to choose joy. Mom and dad can't choose joy for you. Your friend group can't choose joy for you. Mr. Goldie can't choose joy for you. You, the person in the seat, has to choose this joy. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial. They have stood the test and will receive 
the crown of life. Man, what a promise that is. What a promise that is, right? The first challenge that we saw, I count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Because it produces steadfastness. So what I'm seeing here is that when I, when I embrace those trials, when I embrace those challenges, and I remain steadfast, when I choose joy in those moments, and I continue to, Hebrews 12 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. When in the middle of trials, when in the middle of hardship, I fix my eyes on Jesus and I keep going, and I count it as joy. Verse 12 promises that that, that person will be, be blessed when they remain steadfast under trial. Because they've stood the test. And they will receive the crown of life. What a promise. What a promise. What promises do you hold on to? What promises are you holding on to today? Really, think about that. Don't just look at me with a blank stare because I'm going to be talking for some more minutes. Really think about that. What are you holding on to? What gets you up in the morning? What keeps you going day to day? What promises are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? Because this crown of life, that's a promise worth holding on to. It's a promise worth holding on to. You see, when, when we were walking that day from the dorms to the indoor training facility, there were things that continued to go through your mind. Yes, this is difficult. Yes, this, what's about to happen in this training room and what the workout, all these things that are about to happen, they are difficult at the time, but there is something greater at hand. And it's getting to be a part of something bigger than myself. It's getting to claim identity in something that's bigger than anything I could ever build on my own. And that's the cheapest example of what Christ promises us. What the cross did. That when we endure trials, when we choose joy, when we remain steadfast, that we have promises to hang on to. Promises that you have somewhere that you belong. That you have an identity worth hanging on to. You have an identity that isn't affected by little hearts on a page. What promises are you holding on to? Verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Hmm. Each person is tempted when they are lured and enticed by their own desires. What are we allowing to guide our lives? What are we allowing to guide our lives? Because I'm going to be honest with you, there was a point in my life when, when every decision I made was about what I wanted. And then when hardship came, it, it was, it was earth-shattering every single time. And I found myself at rock bottom once again because everything I was building was about me. It was about me. And at your age, I didn't get it. At an older age than you guys, I didn't get it. But let somebody that's been through it. I don't get to stand on that many stages where I can be an elder to the room. 
But as somebody that's been through it, let me tell you that, that the things that you're building your life on potentially right now, they won't last. The friend groups that you're willing to lose your whole identity over just to be a part of the conversation, 10 years from now they won't even be there. The social media pages that you stay up late at night because of what people say or the likes that you get, it's all fading. What keeps you going? What are you lured by? Is it God's promises or your desires? God's promises or your desires? Because there's a difference, but there's a beautiful point when they meet in the middle. Because the person that wakes up every day tired again, not knowing what's next, why am I even doing this anymore? I would challenge that to ask, what are you allowing to guide you? Is, your, is it your desires for living, or is it what God promised you in his word? Are you allowing his word to sustain you? And this isn't some Christian TED talk where I'm going to come up here and tell you, but when you believe in Jesus, everything gets okay. Right? That's not what I'm here today. It's hard. First Peter tells us that do not be surprised when this fiery trial rises up against you. Peter's telling us a man that has been through it a little bit, and he's talking to the Romans at this point, and there's an emperor named Nero. You guys know more about this than I do. I went to public school, and this emperor is burning people for being Christians, right? I can say that. You guys are old enough. And Peter says, don't be surprised when this is how the world responds to you. But know that this is producing something in you. That word fiery trial, translated from the Greek, is the fire that removes impurities from metal. Right? So I would challenge you to say that the things that you're going through are purifying you and making you ready for what's next. But, but the key to that is when you're going through these things, it's, it's simple. It really is. It's Hebrews 12. It's fix your eyes on Jesus. Throw off everything that entangles you and run the race. There's no time to waste. No time to waste. Keep going. Keep fighting. But first you have to decide what you're fighting for. What you're living for. And it comes back to that same point. Is it promises or desires for you? Only you know. Right? Only you know. But I can promise you that if you turn to the world for hearts on a page, if you turn to the world for little messages, if you turn to the world for follows, there will be a point when those things leave you empty, broken, and on rock bottom wondering what's next. Those athletic achievements that you've given your whole identity to, sooner or later those will be trophies in mom's attic. The arts that you've given everything to, that you allow at times to take precedent over your relationship with Christ. It's all fading, but there's one thing that remains at the end of this life. Verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good and perfect gift right? It's unchanging. That's what it says right here. There's no variation or shadow 
do to change. It never changes. The promises, so that's the thing, is when you build your life on his promises, your life goal, your life identity won't shift. But some of you in here gave everything two years ago, to, or however long ago, man, I'm going to be so cool on Instagram. I'm going to get all these followers on Instagram. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be cool there. And now what, TikTok? <laughs> and nobody even looks at Instagram anymore. Or you have that friend group that you gave everything. Morals went out the door. You said things you never said before, did things you never did before. Or that boyfriend or that girlfriend. And then it changed and you found yourself at rock bottom and you were wondering what happened to me. And it's because you were building your life on things that will inevitably fade away. But God's word right here in James promises us, promises us that he's unchanging. And so that brings us to the question, are God's promises enough for you? Are God's promises enough for you? That's a tough one. It really is. Because I'm not naive to the fact that this was a hard year. This last year, everything changed. One point we were going here, and then the next point we were going here, and then I was looking at this screen, but then I got to go back to this thing, right? I'm with you. I see you. And I know a lot of you are just shouldering, acting like you're unaffected, but come on. There's been a ton of inconsistency. But is God's promises enough for you? That's the question we have to answer. Because before we can move on and continue living this Christian life, before we can move on past Southwest Christian High School and go make an impact for the kingdom, before we can walk into the school tomorrow or whenever we leave this building or leave this room today and make an impact for the kingdom, we have to decide, you have to decide, the person in your seat has to make the decision, are God's promises enough for me? Are they enough for me? Or am I going to allow all state to be what drives me forward? Am I going to allow girlfriends or boyfriends going to be what drives me forward? I haven't yelled at this side of the room very much. What's up? How we doing? You guys doing good? She's sleeping. Dang, man. No, I'm just messing with you. She's not sleeping. Are we going to allow those things to be enough? Are we going to allow likes and follows on a page to be what sustains us moving forward? Come on. Are God's promises enough for you? It's a question you have to answer. That's not a question that any of your teachers, your discipleship groups, your friends in your discipleship groups, none of that. You have to answer that question. And I'll keep saying it. Because until you build your life on that, it's meaningless. But you guys know all that, right? You guys know all that. Man, I've heard this song before, right? I'm not saying anything new. But are God's promises enough for you? 
It's a question we have to answer. It's interesting that as we talk about God's promises, right, his word, we just broke down this whole thing of his word. That's where we find his promises. And so for God's promises to be enough for us, his word has to be enough for us, right? Too many of us rely on emotional responses to keep us going in our faith. Man, it just doesn't feel like it used to. Doesn't feel like it did when I was in eighth grade. When I first started going to youth group. When I went to that one camp. Or at that one encounter. Doesn't feel like that anymore, man. It's hard. We allow our faith to be emotionally driven. But James is pretty clear in how he lays this out. When God's promises are enough for you, his word will be enough for you. And then we'll keep going. Now this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James is clear. Stop pursuing the desires of your heart and implant his word in you. And what's beautiful about that is as you continue to dig into Scripture, even when it's not emotionally the thing you want to do, but when you continue to show up and dig into God's Word and not just let it be a checked box, but let it be an opportunity for you to get His promises, to hear what He has to say about it. Those desires we keep talking about that are way over here and those promises we keep talking about that are way over here, they find themselves meeting somewhere in the middle. When we continually turn to his word to figure out what his promises are, desires and promises meet. I did that wrong. Let me recorrect that. Promises stay over here. Your desires go all the way over here and meet them right here, right? Because God's word doesn't change to fit what you want to do. But as you continue to dig into that, the drive, the goals, everything you do finds itself meeting right there at what God's called you to. See, because what I don't want you to hear is that all states bad. No. No. But why you want to do it is important. Having influence is bad. No. That's foolish. That's foolish. If we all lived under a rock, nobody would know about it. You've been giving gifts for a reason. You've been given platforms for a reason. But how you use them is important. How you use them is important. I love this. But be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. But be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. Yourselves. You guys know who Marshawn Lynch is? You know who Marshawn Lynch is? Raise your hand if you know who Marshawn is. Marshawn Lynch, yeah. One of my favorite football moments is Marshawn's at the Super Bowl. And if you guys know anything about Marshawn Lynch, he hated interviews. Hated interviews. This dude was an all-pro running back, 
played in the Pro Bowl, won a Super Bowl ring, but he hated being interviewed. And there was a moment where after this interview where he said the same thing for like 30 minutes, which is what I've been doing this whole time. So uh, he comes off and Deion Sanders meets him. And if you don't know who Deion is, you don't know, okay? Deion Sanders is the man. But he meets him and he's, he's talking to him and he's like, Marshawn, man, you don't like to talk a lot. You don't like to talk a lot. What's up? And Marshawn looks at Deion Sanders. And I'm not saying to build your Christian life on the words of Marshawn Lynch, but he says something here that's worthwhile. He looks at Dion and he says, I'm just about that action, boss. He says, I'm just about that action, boss. Marshawn had every reason to talk. He had every reason to tell people how good he was. But he's standing there with one of the greats. He said, yeah, man, I'm just about that action. Because Marshawn had an understanding, it doesn't matter what I say. What am I doing? What am I doing? Because hopefully we all will get to a place where promises and desires, where our desires meet God's promises and we're digging into his word, but now we have a charge. James gives us a clear charge here. It doesn't get any clearer. This is why I love the book of James. Be doers of the word not only hears. We want to see the world want for Christ. It's going to take a group of students that are about that action, that are willing to get after it, that are willing to not just let showing up to discipleship groups be their fuel for the week. But it's going to take a group of students that are willing to take the word of God, implant it in their heart, apply it to their lives, and go impact other people. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. I remember when I showed up at college before the morning run experience. I showed up, and whenever you show up, if any of you play college sports, don't be this guy. I was that guy. Learn from me, okay? But when you show up, the first thing you do when you get around all these other big, bad football players, you tell them how good you are, right? And so I move in with these two guys. Their names are Mossy and G. Mossy and G, both of them are from San Diego, California. They're older, they're seniors. They look like the dude off Moana. And I can say that because G's my boy, all right? But G, I mean, he's like six foot six, 340 pounds, plays defensive tackle. Big, long hair. I remember I pull up from Tulsa, Oklahoma, thinking I'm really doing something, right? And G's standing outside. Okay, this just got real. What up, G? How you doing, man? Name's Britton. Shake his hand, whatever. I move in with him. That whole summer we work out, and slowly but surely, different freshmen are trickling in and trickling in. And, man, I was all stating this. Man, I did this. Man, I had offers from Alabama, but my knee wasn't right, so I couldn't go there. So that's why I'm here at this school. It's like, yeah, okay. But all these dudes are telling people how good they are. They're talking a lot. And I remember one day we were leaving weights, and we're riding in the car. And G said, man, Bishop, you know, all these guys like to talk a lot. But on the first day of camp, we'll find out who's real. On the first day of camp, we'll find out who's real. That was unfortunate for me because I was one of these guys that liked to talk a lot. <laughs> I think G was like subtly telling me like, hey, bro, I'm probably going to kill you first day out there. Okay. So me and G, uh, we line up. I'm a freshman. He's a senior. So we shouldn't be going against each other during practice, but we do offensive line and defensive line one-on-ones this day. And, and I get set up to do my first rep as a tiger. 
I'm pumped to be there. I've been telling people how good I am. It's time I show up. G's in the back getting a drink. The one's already went. I'm like in group seven. And G just speaks up. He goes, hey, I got Bishop. Brian, when I tell you, the fear of God rushed through my body. Man, it's like showing up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and realizing they're closed. That kind of crushing spirit, right? That's what happened to me that day, Brian. You with me? Nobody? Okay. So I'm standing there thinking I'm really something. G comes walking up. Coach says go. I get like one step, and G head slaps me. Remember those concussions I told you about last night? My first concussion as a college football player was from the hands of Giete Teao. Head slap, knocked me out cold right there on the field. Cold, I promise, I'll show you the video. I'm laying there asleep. They wake me up, do all this stuff. <laughs> I'm sitting in the training room getting treatment and all this, and G just walks out and he goes, he said something to me. He said, Bishop, you're a good football player, but people are tired of hearing about it. Why don't you just show them? What if we, as Christians, decided that we would just show people what it looked like to be followers of Christ? That if we stopped just showing up to our little Christian huddles and our Christian groups and talking about how hard our week was, or those are all good things, right? I lead those groups. That's the reason I have a house. But what if we showed up to those groups and we gathered so that we can inevitably scatter and go impact the world? As our desires change, our hearts change. As our hearts change, our lives change. And when our life changes, other lives change. That's the key right there. Are you living by your desires or God's promises? That's the key. Not only hearers, but doers. Now don't get it twisted. Ephesians 2 is clear. By faith, through grace so that nobody can boast. But that's where we stop reading. Verse 10, what's it say? To do good works that have been prepared in advance for them to do. It's not enough to just receive it. We got to get after it. We got to get after it. Bishop Browning once said, to deceive is bad, to deceive yourself is worse, but to deceive yourselves about your souls is worst of all. I want to challenge this room with something today. I want to challenge you with something. Is the word of God, are God's promises pouring out of you? Are they sustaining you and are they enough for you? Is there action, is there fruit in your life. Because we're really quick to act on things that are easy to adjust, right, when it comes to Christianity. But I think there's some of us in here that are still holding on to some places that we don't want to let go of yet. We're holding on to some things that that no one knows about, but we're too scared to let go of them. Maybe there's a ton of shame wrapped up into what you're holding on to and you don't want to expose it to the light because you're scared of how people will respond. 
But I promise you that when your desires come and meet God's promises, your heart will change, your life will change, and then other lives will change. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. It's not to keep it to ourselves. What was Jesus' command to us? To go make disciples, teaching them to obey. If we don't obey, we can't teach anybody how to do it. If God's word is not enough for us, why would we ever expect it to be enough for somebody else? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. If all you do is show up to Bible and show up to D groups, which are good things, I told Brian last night, I can't wait to go to some of these classes this week because I want to learn, right? They're good things. But if it just goes here and never moves here, what is it? Knowledge. Good things. And things that I inevitably think will come to be fruits in your life. But there is a generation of people that can only be reached by a generation of people sitting in these seats. Your peers, there's other students in your school or maybe in your friend groups on your sports teams that Brian and your teachers and your deans will never come into contact with. We have a responsibility as followers of Christ to do the work of the ministry. It's more than just showing up, Southwest. It's getting after it. It's more than just showing up. It's getting after it. Too often, I think, we've created a Christianity that stops at Jesus loves you. It just stops right there. And you're like, okay, I'm good. And then you just go on about your merry way doing your own thing. Keep going. Jesus came, yes. Died for your sins, yes. Loves you, yes. And has given you a charge to go share that good news with other people. To not just be hearers, but to be doers. James goes on to continue to challenge that. And there's some challenges in James that make Christian folks really uncomfortable. They make people uncomfortable to hear. But it's it's God's word. It's not the speaker that showed up from Michigan that ate too much and drank too much coffee this morning, right? It's James' word he tells you. He said, what good is it, my brothers? This is in chapter 2. If someone says they have faith but do not have works, what good is that? What good is it to take this beautiful, perfect gift that Christ died to give you and to cheapen it enough to keep it to yourself? If you believe in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, why, would you, why wouldn't you tell people about it? There's a famous atheist. I love this story. At the same time, this story breaks my heart. And it was, it was in... London at the time, and he was about to be hung. It was a long time ago. And uh, 
religious leader showed up and asked him, one last chance, man. Do you, do you want to give everything to Jesus? And I'm paraphrasing. This isn't exact. And he says, no. I don't want to. And he's like, why? And he said, because if what you were telling me was true, if what you were telling me was true, then I would crawl on my hands and knees across this whole country through glass just to tell one person. Just to tell one person. But what he was seeing other people live out wasn't lining up with what they were saying. And that brings us back to that point. Are God's promises enough for you? Are God's promises enough to keep you going? To make you want to get after it? To floor you? To make you wake up in the morning with a sense of purpose? To go share the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ? To allow him to change our lives. You see, too often we want Jesus to intervene when it comes to the sake of our eternity, but we don't want him to intervene when it comes to our daily living. Too often. It's simple, it's one word it's surrender. It's surrender. Some of us in here, this word can mean a lot of different things to different groups. I know we're at a Christian high school, but some of us in here have never surrendered everything to Jesus. Truly. We haven't given him our desires, our everything. And said, Jesus, take this life, use it however you want. I'm yours. I'm sorry for how. The way I've lived, I repent from my sins and I give you everything. It's surrender. Some of us in here have surrendered a lot. We're still holding on to that one thing. And I would challenge to say you haven't fully surrendered then. This isn't a salvation thing, don't make it that. Okay? Hear me? But he wants the secret places of your heart. He wants all of you. Not just the pieces that are easy to talk about or the pieces that are easy to live out, but he wants the secret places of your heart. The behind closed doors. He wants those too. It's surrender. It's surrendering our desires, our gifts, and our purpose to the kingdom of God. Simply said, could have came up here and just said that, but instead I talked for 50 minutes. But that's what it is. That's why I'm here. It's surrender. Are God's promises enough for you to give everything to him? That when you turn away from your sin... And say, Jesus, I'm sorry, but you have my life now. Are you willing to give it all? Even if 
it gets uncomfortable, even if it gets difficult, even if it means stepping out of situations that we really like being in, even if it hurts. Are we willing to live out what James calls us to, to count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds because we know that this is producing lasting fruit. Fruit bigger than us. It's surrender. I want you guys just to bow your heads real quick. Nobody messing with anybody else, right? We're mature enough to do that. Some of y'all's heads been bowed for 50 minutes, so you just keep it there. But you guys to bow your heads real quick. If we have the ability to, can we turn down the lights? I don't know if we have that ability, but it'd be cool. Awesome. I want to do just a little bit of heart work. I want you to worry about the person in your seat. This message wasn't for somebody else today, right? This message was for you. Right where you're at. It's time to do some work. We're going to play a song here in a minute. And as that song plays, I just want you to sit into whatever you heard from today's message. Whether it's the clear challenge to consider it joy, the challenge to remain steadfast in the midst of trials, the question is God's promises enough for you or the call to be about action I don't know what it was for you today and I don't want to emotionally manipulate to a place of saying it has to either be this and if it wasn't you weren't listening the spirit works differently in everybody and some of you he said some things and some of you said something else and I want to I want to provide a space for you just to talk to God about what you heard so we're going to spend some time listening to this song and in some prayer And then after that, after the song's over, we'll have one more challenge. But I want to encourage you that, yeah, this song might feel long in the moment. But show enough maturity to give God undivided attention and see what he has to say about today. Lord, we praise you. God, I just ask that you speak to hearts however you want to speak to them. Don't let it be anything I said, God, but let it be what you were saying. It's in your son's name we pray. Thank you for listening in on our Encounter podcast. You can find previous Encounter recordings and who will be coming in future weeks on our Southwest Christian High School webpage, www.swchs.org. Click on Student Life and Encounter. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, keep your eyes fixed, not on speakers, teachers, or institutions, but on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith.